Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Kindergartens provide preschool children with the opportunity to socialize, receive education, and ease their way into compulsory primary education. While parents and children's demand for kindergarten service continues to grow and upgrade, the distribution of such demand is constantly shifting. Recently, some regions across China have started cutting the number of and consolidating kindergartens. What is the likely consequence of such moves? Hello, I'm Lai Ming, and this is Roundtable. Today, with my colleagues Niu Hongling and Brandon Yes, we look into the latest trends in preschool education. So. Uh, kindergartens, the number of it has been reducing in some regions across China. And what are the uh, what are the scale on which this is happening? I would say not so much. If we take a look at the numbers, in 2022, there were around 290 kindergartens across the country. It is a year-on-year decrease of 1.9 percent, but it marks the first decline in a decade. And the number of children enrolled in preschool education was. 46.3 million. It is a year-on-year decrease of 3.7 percent, continuing the downward trend from 2021. And this is status provided by the Ministry of Education. So the idea is that we are looking at a decrease for the very first time for a really long period of time, which is a changing trend, which is why we're talking about it. But in terms of scale, I do not see it as. Such a huge problem. It's kind of like the same problem, which means、uh, the, for example, at the very. Um, I would say several years ago, we talked about the decrease in newborn, the number of newborn babies, and that problem or that same phenomenon would occur when this same a bunch of babies started to go to preschool and then go to, let's say, primary school, and when they take the Gaokao exam, the college entrance exam, we would say again, oh, the number is decreasing. But actually, I feel like it's the same problem or same phenomenon happening again. So it's the same trend. Brandon,、um, where you come from?、Uh, what's the situation with kindergartens? I mean, this is probably a unique China situation because a few years ago we were just talking about how there isn't isn't enough school places、yeah. for preschool and, and、mm. kindergarten, and but、uh, the government has done a lot to provide affordable kindergartens. I mean, they, they encourage a lot of building and restructuring of kindergartens, and all of a sudden we're now talking about the reduction in the number of kindergartens. I mean, so I wonder whether this is a unique Chinese problem or it, it, it is seeing. Somewhere else in a different country as well. I suppose.、Um, <coughs> excuse me, guys. I'm feeling a bit under the weather today.、Um, but in South Africa, I think what's u-、uh, unique in terms of、uh, th- the differences between this country and my country is that the, the competitiveness for places in schooling doesn't really start until high school, university level.、Mm. Um, when it, when it's at、uh, kindergarten level, it's kind of more like, can you afford to go into kindergarten?、Right. Um, and If that is the case, and you can afford to send your child to kindergarten, there isn't an issue in terms of uh, p- placement. Uh, so I guess、uh, that's that's fairly、uh, u- unique to to China in the sense that competitiveness for. Places and schooling starts from you know day one essentially. Well, we are in common in the sense that the well entry into kindergarten or preschool institutions is optional. It's not compulsory、yeah. like it's primary school or or junior middle school.、Uh, parents have the option to choose yes to send the kids to kindergarten or not. Yeah, I mean that I, I think that much is the same with the、uh, yeah. with the South Africa. But I But think with South Africa, it's more about affordability. I think most parents from from my experiences 
do want to send their kids to kindergarten, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of it has to do with um, whether they can actually afford to send their kids to kindergarten or not. Um, so it's normally a, a socioeconomic issue. Mm-hmm. Here in China, the situation is a bit different in the sense that uh, we've gone through a, a period of urbanization, whereas mm. previously when people were living largely in rural areas, I mean, we depended on our family members or the village uh, other relatives in the in the same village to to take care of the children. But yeah, when but I mean, we I suppose into... that's a form of kindergarten, right? With you know someone that's looking after a child. Um, right. You know, I guess that is a you know it's it's not our definition of kindergarten in the sense that when we think of kindergarten, we think of you know a whole bunch of young children in a class and there's a teacher. But I suppose any form of parental type figure looking after a child I guess that's a form of kindergarten right it's, it's a form of community childcare. care yeah. mean, that's for sure and then, yeah. but then, then we we enter the stage of urbanization where we all lo- leave our homes and then find our new homes in urban areas when where they don't necessarily have enough accommodation in terms of the childcare service mm. so that's the seems to be the trend that we've uh, gone through for the past few decades and if and, we compare the so-called traditional types of kindergartens, the one that you gather the children in the neighborhood and take care of them in turns by different parents or different relatives of the kids. They are definitely not up to standard for nowadays kindergarten definition. We have a lot of teachers nowadays to take care of the kids, to even design courses. Of course, we're not talking about uh, kids, preschool kids taking classes to the extent that they need to take tests. But we're definitely talking about them um, taking part into the kind of courses that would train their ability to think, to socialize, like Climbing has already mentioned in the beginning of the conversation. And it's much more scientific in that sense. Well, there are courses designed to improve people's, uh, children's cognitive abilities, like uh, how to sing, how to draw, how to engage in sports and, and socialize. So that's basically the, the courses where we uh, schools are, are built upon. In fact, uh, very particular courses like Chinese language and math, and they are not encouraged because it uh, fosters unfair competition. Right. So uh, what are the factors affecting uh, the number of kindergartens uh, in recent years? Well, definitely birth rate drop is one thing. Uh, We see that in 2022, the mainland's population dropped by 850,000, the first decline in more than six decades, less newborn babies, less three-year-old babies, less people attending kindergarten for sure. And then we also see upon this, there is also a natural selection in the market. We talked about the not up to standard kindergartens. And for some up to standard kindergartens, if they're not providing very preferable uh, services or kind of care for the kids, they are also looking at other more, I would say, well, greater kindergartens taking their market share. And uh, we see some private run or run, uh, some of the kindergartens are run by villages, which Mm -hmm. means they're just simply not good enough. And local governments may take over some high quality private gardens Gardens, converting them into a public non-profit ones. Right. Actually, we've got an example here. Uh, the case is with the Lingchuan County in Anhui Province. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that Lingchuan closed 50 kindergartens in 2023, 
nine kindergartens were newly built or expanded in 2022, which adds actually 2,070 nonprofit school places. And all five kinder, 50 kindergartens closed are private nonprofit ones. Well, the number of nonprofit kindergartens are increasing in Linchuan County. So even though for some places the number of kindergartens are decreased, the actual number of kindergarten places are increased. So there's a level of restructuring that we talk about、exactly. in the context of the rural to urbanization transition.、Uh, Brendan, I wonder if you can relate to things like that. I mean, based on based on your previous description of what's going on in South Africa, I guess a lot of the、uh, availability with regard to kindergarten it depends on whether people can afford to do that. I mean,、yeah. it's based on affordability. But I wonder whether in urbanized areas. I mean, we talk about the case in in China where we are urbanizing and there is a great growing demand、uh, for better quality、uh, of childcare service and an education service.、Uh, I wonder whether this applies to let's say urban areas in South Africa or metropolitan、uh, cities. For sure, I think in those areas where people have a higher income or you know are wanting access to better le- levels of education, then I guess、um, you know accessibility to Uh, really high quality、uh, kindergartens can be quite tricky, and I suppose, in, <clears throat> in that sense, that's where、um, the competitiveness kind of comes into pl- into place. Although, I wouldn't say it's it's more of like a first come first serve type of、uh, situation where you know、um, some places fill out quicker than others, and、mm-hmm. some people just don't get in. It's not necessarily got to do with you know the the child's abilities or anything like that.、Um, but I think when it comes to kindergartens and South Africa, one of the biggest issues is just、um, accessibility. So particularly in lower income areas,、uh, you know, there's a huge、uh, population of、uh, people that either don't have access to、um, kindergarten facilities or they cannot afford to send their kids to you know private kindergartens. So I think when it comes to South Africa as a whole, you, when and you look at the numbers, the biggest issue is probably accessibility to kindergartens, regardless of、um, the actual quality of those kindergartens. Do you think this is、uh, because South Africa is still at a historical point? Where people haven't started、uh, really competing for school places for higher quality education service, or it's just because something maybe is something cultural, maybe is something in in the way the education system is designed、uh, to so that people don't feel the need to really get a、uh, early start. There's just a very large percentage of the population, unfortunately, that are living in poverty, and those people have children, and、um, you know. It's quite difficult for them to either afford private、uh, kindergartens or to find, you know, government-provided、uh, kindergarten facilities. So, when it comes to that side of the population,、um, competitiveness definitely doesn't have anything to do with it. It's more about just having access to, you know, any sort of education for、um, for children at that age in that age group.、Mm. All right. Let's come back to China. So we just agreed upon the fact that、uh, consolidation and sometimes some form of restructuring is taking place. And、uh, like anything in the world, I mean, there, there are pros and cons with any kind of change. So the the good thing is, I mean,、uh, we are leveraging the opportunity to improve the quality of education. At these schools that do get consolidated and, and merged together, but what are the actual pros and cons when it comes to、uh, this level of redistribution? 
Well, because this is only happening for the very first time, and people are still talking about it, trying to analyze, and of course there are a lot of stakeholders. For example, the kindergarten teachers are worrying about the future of their career, whether or not they would have a place to work, they would have enough kids to teach. But actually, if we take a look at the number of students, or let's say the teacher to child ratio in kindergartens here in China, the number is actually one to. Fifteen, so one teacher, fifteen kids, and in China the standard class size for kindergartens is twenty-five children for small classes, thirty for medium classes, and thirty-five for large classes. And currently, we still see the number of, or、uh, let's say, big classes or medium classes accounting for the majority of all the classes. All right. So. This means if we allow this one,、um, well, and also in developed countries, we see class sizes are typically capped at twenty students,、okay. and the teacher to children ratio ranges from one to seven to one to ten. This means for those teachers who are worrying about their jobs, who do not think they would have enough. Kids to teach, it's not going to happen if we want the quality of the classes or the size of the classes to be reduced to a level that would allow teachers to take care of kids or to spend more time on the average of kids. I mean, I wouldn't say for sure that this is not going to happen. Some teachers are going to lose their jobs because we are talking about consolidation. We are talking、sure. about a competition, and we are talking about survival of the fittest. So. What I'm trying to say here is that instead of、uh, firing some teachers or having some teachers lose their jobs and having less amount of teachers taking care of the same amount of students in one class, what we can do is to reduce the size of classes,、yep. allowing teachers to spend more time on each students. Well, that's、and、sure. I mean, that's, that's that's certainly very nice. I mean, I personally know that、uh, the mother of、uh, of Well, the mother of、uh, well, my my son goes to a private kindergarten,、mm. and a, a friend of his, his mother said,、uh, well, his mother was a primary school st- teacher, and she particularly sent her kid, who in her opinion was a bit uh, uh, hard to deal with, to the private kindergarten, believing that.、Uh, He will get more attention because,、right. the, because of the smaller size, size of the classroom. And also, this situation is only when we discuss the situation when、uh, we. Only admit children aged three to six years old for the pre、uh, preschools. Actually, kindergartens are also allowed to admit two to three year olds under certain conditions. And if we take this group of people into consideration, definitely teachers would have more things to do. So what I'm trying to say here is, teachers, if you're taking care of young kids in preschools, do not have to worry about it. And also, I think local governments should do something to improve the quality of preschool education. But、um, if you're reducing the The, the the class sizes、um, and reducing、um, the number of kids that can be taught by a teacher won't that also have a, a negative impact on the price? Yeah, that is also very interesting because actually China、um, is. Giving or let's say local governments in China are investing in education in different grades in、yep. different groups. So、uh, currently, what they do is use this per student funding standard, which means less students、um, would lead to less funding、right. in the investment.、Mm-hmm. But it does not have to be the case. If we invest the same amount of money into the education sector, regardless of the decrease of students. Each students would get a larger amount of fund, 
which means they can enjoy a better education service. But then that's something. That's a decision that the Ministry of Education will of have course. to make. I mean, mm-hmm. if they were, just an idea. If they are committed to spending like four percent of the GDP into education, including preschool education, then. Uh, chances are uh, the students will get a uh, higher per head subsidy as compared to, let's say, there are more students going to kindergarten. To kindergarten mm. like and then if those prices aren't increased, it'll probably also improve that that uh, scenario that we were talking about earlier in terms of teachers fearing that they may lose their jobs. If the prices of uh, of education kind of remain at a stable rate, even though the class sizes are decreasing, you can probably then have more teachers available at each school, even though they are teaching smaller classrooms, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there are also more benefits from having smaller size of, uh, of classrooms. Of in the sense that, um, now, just now, and take a look around, and people are getting sick from all kinds of infectious diseases. And schools, especially kindergartens, it's a hotbed for a lot of uh, <laughs> infectious diseases. I mean, if, you, if we have a smaller sizes of, of classes, then uh, chances of uh, students getting uh, infectious and getting infected by other uh, students, classmates, uh, is well, certainly going to be a, a, a slimmer. Mm. And um, another very interesting factor we can discuss here is that here in China, we have different ways to categorize different kindergartens. There is definitely the public ones and the private ones. There's also the relatively expensive ones versus the inclusive ones. And the private ones can be converted to the inclusive ones that... To, well, they, they still remain their private-owned kind of status, but they would have a lower price compared to previous... Because of the subsidy, subsidy coming from the authorities. Yes. So there are different ways to categorize a kindergarten. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And that is also approach that China has been taken for a period of time to um, ensure better accessibility in kindergartens. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, we get to see that um, there are different gov- local governments trying to use different ways to provide such subsidies. For example, in 2000, well, as early as 2009, Beijing has issued this 1,000 yuan per student per month kind of subsidy to students mm-hmm. instead of to the inclusive kindergartens or the nonprofit kindergartens or just private kindergartens. Okay. So the fund would go with the students, which means students get to choose their kindergartens or types of kindergartens by themselves instead of uh, just according to the kindergarten's type or the kindergarten's subsidy level. And I think this is also a good way to ensure that students would have more choices and the development of the preschool education system is more diverse to meet different needs of different parents and students. Well, that's a smart move. It allows students to choose freely the location of the mm. Well, I guess parents would be like choosing, right? Not the, not the three-year-old, <laughs> yes. not the three-year-old <laughs> children. Right, yeah. right, right. Of course, that's, that's for sure. But then on the other hand, I mean... Uh, not, freedom is not not given. I mean, when we are closing down uh, kindergartens in rural areas, I mean, certainly there's the demographic change, the, the the movement of the population from rural areas into urban areas. But when we are closing down certain rural kindergartens, I mean, does it does create some difficulties for people who still live in rural areas? Mm. I mean, so that's that's some of the cons that we uh, we should touch upon. That's for sure. And also, the market is fulfilling its role, seems to me, by the survival of the fittest in the number, in the declining number of uh, kindergartens. But 
The demand for kindergarten still exists. The local government has stepped in to provide alternatives, but can they guarantee quality service at non-profit preschools? Because if you are an economist and if you believe in the rule of the, the rule of the market or the invisible hand of the market, you, th- you think that the, that's the way to make kindergartens competitive. But uh, the approach for the authorities right now is to build more and more non-profit kindergartens to make them. More competitive. I mean, I'm not sure that that fitting with the the principle of eco- economy. What do we mean by by competitive? You mean com- competitive for places, like as in kids taking up places in these kindergartens? No, but the competitive as in the quality that pr- they provide. I mean, the okay. better kindergartens they can provide, uh, well, better educated yeah. teachers and better theories with regard to teaching and and more more materials when it comes to uh, executing some some classes, some 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 courses. Yeah, I guess it depends on how. Um, Generous, or you know, how seriously the government is taking, um, you know, providing funding for these non-profit schools. Because if it is taken seriously, then you can, I suppose, have a standardized level of um, the quality of the facilities and the teachers, etc. So I think that you know, if there is going to be more and more um, non-private kindergartens popping up, I think there needs to be a standardized level to ensure that um, each one of these facilities are providing a very high level of education. Yes, well, and yes. in the meantime, I feel like when we say we're closing down relatively large number of profitable or let's say private kindergartens, it's still a little bit of exaggeration because as of 2022, there were around 160,000 private kindergartens in China. It is definitely a decrease of 6,000 from the previous year. Yet it still accounts for 55% of the total number of kindergartens in the country, and also the number of children in kindergarten. Was around 21 million, and it accounts for uh, around 50. F- 45% of all children in preschool education in the country, which means um, preschool students in these private kindergartens still accounts for around half of the total number. So we are still looking at a lot of private kindergartens. And in the meantime, we talked about having the subsidies go with students instead of directly to kindergartens. This would allow private kindergartens to work in a relatively easier way, yet attract students based on the level of competitiveness that Lightning has explained. Mm-hmm. It might be quite quite difficult for these private kindergartens to attract learners if the, the non-private kindergartens do you know, have a very high level of education and facilities. Um, that could be something that uh, private kindergartens might have to be concerned about going into the future. Right, so making more competitive. So one last point of interest before we move on, and that is, what is the future of preschool education going forward? We sort of touched upon this uh, in our earlier discussion, but still, uh, if some, if the number of kindergartens is going for sure, going to drop, then w- what is the, the future uh, to those who are in, in the industry and to, to those uh, who are teaching, in fact? Well, in my opinion, um, we get to see that in the initial stage, we see more parents taking care or, let's say, concerned about the physical facilities of kindergartens, see whether or not it has a large playground, a lot of toys as such. But later, more and more students, uh, excuse me, more and more parents started to take a look at the so-called atmosphere and environment, see whether or not the teachers are quite sweet and nice and are loving to their kids. And they 
want to see whether or not through the preschooling their kids would have better ability to be uh, let's say blended into a social atmosphere being able to transfer better from a family environment to a school environment and all these are now the focus of a lot of uh, private or even public kindergartens. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, you get to see a lot of kindergartens trying to include the pre-preschool period. That is when a kid is around two to three year old. That is a period of time when we still need uh, teachers to maybe change the diapers of the students, mm-hmm. maybe feed them or get some baby formula for them. So it's relatively more demanding and also because students Ah, students, kids in that age requires differently than those who are older than three year old. So it would require another set of abilities, another set of skills uh, to the teachers. So these are all possible developing, let's say, areas or trend I can see for the kindergartens. That's for sure. And we we just mentioned how uh, what would happen to teachers who sort of uh, previously worked in kindergartens that are all of a sudden closed. I mean, mm. there there is a, still a huge gap in the supply and demand uh, for pre-kindergarten daycare service. I mean, for uh, like infants who are aged one and above. I mean, uh, kindergartens don't usually take them. Uh, it really depends on uh, whether parents can find a proper daycare center to to make sure that they can really uh, turn their head around and and just focus on their work. I wonder if there's large. Are... I wonder if there's large numbers of parents that would rather actually take on the responsibility themselves if they can't find kindergartens in their area that are up to their standard. I wonder if that's also somebody a... will have to do it. And the grandparents will have yeah. to step in. I mean, so it's uh, if we can find a proper solution for the entire family, then maybe the consumption power can be released mm. a bit so the elderly retired can spend and their lifetime, uh, their retired years, um, enjoying their lives.